You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Greg Lederman. He is a professional speaker, leadership coach, New York Times bestselling author, wrote Achieve Brand Integrity, Engaged, and Crave. I had an opportunity to listen to Greg speak down at Atlanta a couple months ago. Excited to have him on the program. I think there's a lot of great topics here. There's probably a couple episodes, but we're going to try to squeeze as much as we can into this one. But really interesting stuff on how you can really think about employee engagement, about culture, about leadership. Um, So I'm really excited to speak with Greg on that. With that, Greg, welcome to the program. Bruce, thanks for having me. So yeah, so why don't we start a little bit with background? Because I know you've been an entrepreneur before. You've been a a coach and a speaker and an author. And I'm curious how how your entrepreneurial journey kind of led you to this path that you're you're on now and what experiences you've had, what you've learned, and how that's kind of tied into the work you're doing today. So I started out pretty much right out of college back in the mid early to mid 90s, uh, getting into a... um, bakery and ice cream business, so really the hospitality business, and learned really quickly that it's all about series of behaviors you put in place and how do you integrate those into people systems. So, so uh, my, my cousin and I had a very successful, uh, again, bakery and an ice cream business. We mm-hmm. sold that in the late 90s, and I started a company called Brand Integrity. And the whole purpose of it was to help organizations do exactly what we did in our business, which was define our values on who we are, define the behaviors on how we, how we live it, and then integrate that into the people systems, how we recruit, hire, onboard, and do recognition of employees. And that's what the heart and soul brand integrity is when we started that business back in 2002. Mm-hmm. I kicked that off and it quickly evolved into a uh, a software business because we developed some technology for recognizing employees, what has become known as social recognition today. We built the first ever platform for recognizing employees other than just using email back in 2005 before anyone had even really even heard of Facebook yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there was no, the idea of social recognition is not yeah. something we came up with, but it became something pretty uh, popular these days. Yeah. Uh, but we also measured employee engagement and customer loyalty with this software product that, that w- was built from 2000 and in uh, the four or five time frame up till I sold the business in 2018 to our Gateway in London. Um, during that time, I, as you mentioned, I wrote a couple of books and I started a speaking business about 15 years ago. And I also am an adjunct professor at the Simon School at the U of R at the University of Rochester. I, I teach in the executive MBA program, a course called Leading Organizational Change. And all those things together have really been what I've been spending my time on and helped me to organize great content that I can deliver from the stage and in my uh, in my book. So yeah. 
Well, that's 20 years in uh, two minutes or less. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> so let's talk about this whole kind of employee engagement. I mean, what were some of your takeaways in terms of really what drives engagement? What what are the kind of the fundamental factors? And I guess what do people typically get wrong or, or people kind of focus on the wrong things? And, you know, why why don't they get the results they're hoping to get? And what are some of the right ways to do it? Well, Bruce, let's, let's start with the definition of engagement, yeah. right? What does engaged mean? I, I wrote an entire book on this concept. <laughs> and it's a simple definition. So Someone's engaged if they're both motivated and committed to do what's best for the organization. But that's tricky. And it's why we keep seeing these, you know, these reports that two thirds of the employees in, in our society are not engaged or actively disengaged at work. And it's true. The great majority of people are not truly motivated and committed to doing what's best for their organization. And, and that really falls on the shoulders of leaders. Yeah. Oh, it comes down. It's a leadership uh, discipline to create the environment where more people will tap into their motivation and become more engaged at work. Yeah. And so I just want to make sure we're on the same on the same page on what we say engagement is, because that can be one, one of those ubiquitous terms that people just throw around. But it really means you're motivated and committed. If yeah. you are, you're engaged. And what I mean, if you look at, you know, leadership, you know, as you say, it's really it, it falls into the lap of leadership in terms of, you know, being able to make this happen. Is this mainly because people haven't uh, leaders haven't set a clear vision? It's because they haven't put the systems in place. I mean, you talk about people systems. What does that really mean from a leadership point of view? Well, in most cases, organizations create their core values and then they post them everywhere. They're all over the <laughs> Paint them on the wall. Website. Yeah. They treat it like it's a communication strategy, which you do have to have really solid communications. However, then it becomes a managerial discipline. How do we reinforce them in our processes? So are we hiring and selecting people based on our core values? Are we doing performance conversations based on them? And the most powerful of all, my last book, Crave, is all about how do we strategically recognize people by capturing and sharing successes in a way that helps link it to our core values and highlight a business result so that it's truly strategic and genuine. So recognition is what is one of the things my clients have been able to show over the last decade and a half. Strategically recognizing people is the number one managerial skill for driving engagement. And with our software platform that I was mentioning over the years, we've measured how uh, recognition has correlated to improvements in engagement and improvements in customer loyalty scores, which any of your listeners can know those are going to be directly correlated in most cases. Highly engaged employees drive more loyal, engaged customers, drive a better scaling up business result. Yeah. Yeah. I always, you know, found that you want, you want happy customers, you know, create happy employees and they'll make your customers happy. (laughs) You know, people often kind of forget that the employees are the ones that actually directly interface with the customers and, you know, deliver the service, you know, particularly in service-based businesses. So important point. Um, I was just saying, Bruce, that Bruce, there's a recipe for success and most organizations are doing it the wrong way. They're defining who we are and then they're keeping it at like a conceptual language. They're not getting into the how and the why. How do we actually live it behaviorally and why should it matter to you every day, employee? And what can we do to create the environment where you'll be motivated to deliver upon our values, upon our brand of our organization? Yeah. And you mentioned employee recognition. I mean, is this, you know, employee of the month, put a picture on the wall and the kind of strategy or when you say recognition, what, how, do, how does that actually play out? Like, what do you suggest or what's your strategy for actually recognizing employees? Yeah. If a company has employee of the month, then I can tell them right out of the gate they're doing it. I got to figure it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, recognition is the, is the managerial skill of stopping and paying attention to where success is happening. 
capturing those moments by telling the specific behavior, linking it to a key result or a key focus area like a core values and a key result, an impact area. Those are the three steps that I provide in the in the Crave book. In the subtitle of the book is you can enhance employee motivation in 10 minutes by Friday because the reality is if you can get leaders to spend 10 minutes every week yeah. strategically recognizing their people for living the values and driving a specific type of business result, you can have profound impact on the engagement level in the workplace. I mean, yeah. you saw me when you saw me speak at that that conference. You know, there were if I remember the event with the one in Atlanta, there were yeah. a thousand people in the audience there that were stunned when I stood up there and said, "My clients have achieved 91% employee engagement on average over yeah. the last decade." They're looking at me like they don't believe it. And yeah. then when I showed them how 10 minutes by Friday works, all of a sudden you got a lot of believers in the audience because they realize, yeah, if you do demonstrate those three steps to recognition on on a, on a week-to-week basis, it will, of course, drive engagement in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. I love that concept of you just catching people doing the right things, right? And just reinforcing that that positive behavior. So talk us talk to us through the, the Friday challenge and, and how you actually suggest leaders implement this. Because I think this this idea of a habit, the idea of doing it regularly, you know, making it uh, something you do every week is really important. Talk us through that. Yeah, so so it starts, let's back up before we get to the habit of 10 minutes by Friday. It starts with first understanding what do us humans crave? Yeah. What do we actually crave at work? And there's 80 years of research that has been focused in on what causes people to be satisfied and motivated in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And in my book, Crave, I summarized it into three things. We humans, and no matter what level we are in an organization, whether we're at work or even at home, yeah. we crave three things. Bruce, we crave Feeling respected. So respect is number one. Respect me for who I am and what I do. When you capture and share a success of someone doing the right thing, you're showing them you respect them. Number two craving is purpose. Not a surprise. We've been hearing a lot about purpose over the years in the workplace. The millennials are so much more of a purpose-driven cohort of of folks entering the workforce over the last 10, 15, 20 years, right? Uh Well, look, these millennials aren't the only ones. Everybody has this sense of, I want to be having an impact. I want to do meaningful work. It doesn't matter whether you're a boomer, Generation X, millennials, or now Generation Z coming in. So everybody wants to feel respected. Everyone wants a sense of purpose and meaning. And then third is relationship, having a good relationship in particular with my boss. When these three cravings are all fulfilled, people are more motivated. So the recognition is the accelerator when it's done well, when you capture the successes and share them following the recipe that I provide in the book and the different ways of doing that, whether it's an online post or an actual handwritten note or God forbid, an (laughs) in-person conversation. do recognition following the three steps I highlight in the book and that I talked about a moment ago. You're fueling the work environment with what people crave. That's what drives engagement. That's why my clients have landed on best places to work list, almost 70% of them over the last 15 years on a best place to work list. And it's why they're achieving three times the amount of engagement as their industry peers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk to me about how the, sort of the type or the style or, you know, kind of the personality or profile of your employees plays into this. Do you do you see that people need to be recognized in different ways based on, you know, their kind of 
language preferences or you know how they receive praise? Or do you find that praise is pretty universal in terms of what works in terms of giving praise? Or do you, do you suggest customizing it based on the person? You got to customize it based on the person. But here's what we do know. You know, there's, there's four generations all working together in the workplace now, and it's going to go on for an extended period of time like yeah. never before. So it's a super exciting time. The next decade, we're going to have boomers, Generation X, millennials, Generation Z. And by the way, the boomers aren't retiring so yeah, fast. Exactly. <laughs> coming in. So this workplace over the, next, over the next decade and a half is going to be unlike anything we've ever experienced before. While there are unique personality and mindset and behavioral differences, for the most part, everybody wants the same things. They want growth opportunities, good managers that care about them. They want jobs that are suited for their talents and interests. And they all want the same craving of respect, purpose, and relationship that we've been talking about. The younger generation tends to want a little bit more of that sense of purpose. Their expectations about a connection and collaboration that happens with technology is a little greater. And, and yes, the younger generations, whether it's millennial or Z coming in, they want and expect more frequent communications. Now that is the number one differentiator, in my opinion, is the communication expectations and preference, how I want to be communicated with. Yeah. But in addition to what I mentioned is the Crave method of respect, purpose, and relationship, that that's the human condition. We all want it. There's one thing that's really interesting that all four generations also agree on. Okay. And, this was, and this was a study that I, and I know this was done by the OC Tanner Institute, and I get that this is their line of work. But when they went out to thousands of people and asked, what caused causes great work. Like what is the one single most important thing your manager or your organization does or could do that would cause you to produce great work? The number one response across all four generations recognize me. People just want to feel like they're making a difference and that they're important. And strategically recognizing people, you know, with the method that I've been providing, that's the driver. That's the accelerator of these engagement numbers. There's, There's no other magic formula and it can be done in 10 minutes by Friday if you really care about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to me about the relationship side. So I, you know, I'm, I get that one of the key things that is going to drive engagement is having a good relationship with your with your boss, with the person you report into. But how do you actually do that? I mean, from a leadership point of view, what is what does that look like? What do you do to build a good relationship with a direct report? That's a, that's a great question. And, and by the way, it's the hard it's the hardest one <laughs> to deliver on, and it should be the easiest, right? Yeah. You'd think, but it's um, you know, we're talking about a dearth of leadership out there. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, and as I reported in, in, the, in the Crave book, two thirds of the American workforce says they'd take a new boss over a pay raise. <laughs> I remember that quote. That is so 75%, bad. 75% of people say their number one stress is their boss. So what do you, what is it you got to do? And in, in, in order to demonstrate 10 minutes by Friday, I, I, once you get the concept down in the book, I, I teach you the, you know, the five steps to making it a habit. So it's become simple and easy and really second nature. But you also have to know what to look for. From the stage, I'll often put this in the uh, context of a football game. Because even if you're not a big football fan, most people understand the basics uh-huh. of the game, right? Most leaders at least get how it works. Right? Yeah. The end, if your favorite team is the Buffalo Bills, where I'm coming <laughs> sunny Rochester, New York. And we want to finally win a championship, right? We're 0 for 4 here, yeah, right? Exactly. You want to win a championship. Well, well, you've got to score a lot of touchdowns to win championships, right? Because you're not going to win a lot of games unless you're scoring touchdowns. And in order to win each individual game, you got to get a lot of first downs. You got to move the ball. You got to control the possession and, and then score a lot of touchdowns. So when you're thinking about what to recognize people for, the first downs are like the everyday effort level. When people just do a good job at their job, you should catch that stuff every now and then and recognize it, whether it's a personal note, whether it's me- 
mentioning it in an email or doing an online post or sending out an email to the team. Then there's the touchdowns. That's a key result. Maybe the project team or you know had a success or maybe someone came up with an innovative idea or a new process improvement. That's a touchdown. Like, yeah, let's capture that moment. Let's make sure everybody knows about it, what it is, who did it. Let them feel good about that. And then there's the championships. It's the major accomplishments. It's the milestones. Maybe we hit a sales goal or a productivity goal or hit a, one of our scaling up metrics. At the end of the day, though, there's those are few and far between. Too many organizations are designing their recognition activity where they're just recognizing championships or let's say that's 20 or 30 percent of companies. The other 70 percent, unfortunately, are putting out programs to do the recognition of first downs and touchdowns, but they're not getting their managers to do it. So those are your listeners out there that are hearing this. They, they're, I guarantee you, the great majority are empathizing with this. They're going, yeah, we got a recognition program. We got all the ability to, to go online and nominate people or recognize people or give out tchotchkes or prizes, but getting managers to do it can be like pulling teeth, which is freaking absurd. Because doing it is a great way to become a better human and a better leader. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I get the football analogy and I think it definitely it articulates the need to kind of drive, kind of break break down the game into more kind of granular steps that you can measure and that you can reward that you can recognize against. I think it's hard in business because I think people don't people don't actually put those metrics in place. I mean, they don't really think about what are your critical numbers at the organizational level, at a department level, at a team level, at an individual level. You know, and I think that lacking that, not having those kind of, you know, what is success look like? What does winning look like? Makes it really tough to do the recognition because now I'm just dealing with kind of, yeah, I'm dealing with very kind of nebulous behaviors and actions if I don't have those that data and that structure in place. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're spot on. And that's one of the things that I've been able to differentiate my entire career on is yeah. it's focus on the results. Because look, at the end of the day, you have what I call believers and you got doubters. Okay, so doubters, you know, those are the folks that that in the organization, they doubt whether just the act of recognizing people is really going to generate results. The believers are the ones who totally get it. So you always have to focus on the business result. So when I met when I meet a company, you know, it'll be like first first call that I have with a with this company that wants to do a recognition strategy or a culture change strategy. And sometimes I'll get asked, who do you want on the call? You know, I say the CEO and the CFO. Before you even bring in HR and marketing, if I have nothing less or nothing else, I mean, then then at least give me the CFO. Because let's talk about the metrics that matter to the organization, right? If it's a manufacturing organization, I want to talk about safety incidents that impact your insurance premiums. I want to talk about machine uptime. I want to talk about quality defects. How are those things moving over the years? What are the things you need to be recognizing to improve those results? Because the entire strategy should be based, Bruce, on this idea of recognize what you want to see more of. If you know what you want to see more of, I want to see behaviors that protect quality. Great. Then we should be recognizing those behaviors. If you want to see more of something, recognize when you see it. It's common sense, but it's so rarely put into practice in a common sense way in organizations. But it's going to be focused on the business results. Otherwise, those doubters, they can kill any program really quickly because they don't believe it's going to impact results. They feel like it's being forced on them. Mm -hmm. They themselves feel overworked and underappreciated. So the last thing they want to do at the end of the day is recognize others. So those are the reasons why most programs fail. There's a there's a method to the madness of implementing a program that works flawlessly. And it's not rocket science, but there is a process that has to be followed. Yeah. 
All right. So, so walk us through how, how do you make this a weekly habit? If I'm a manager with a team, with a, a, a group of direct reports, how do I make this part of my weekly routine to incorporate catching people doing the right things, you know, recognizing people for doing, doing the things I want more of? How do I make this work on a week to week basis? I'll give you the, the five steps. They're also in the book, but I'll tell you, if you go, if people go to gregleaderman.com and it's G-R-E-G-G-L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com, you go to gregleaderman.com under books, click crave, and there's a free worksheet right there in the upper right-hand corner. You can't miss it. You can click there and you can download the five steps I'm going to cover right now. And it's already pre-populated with the best practices for doing the particular habit we're talking about, which is recognizing and sharing successes in 10 minutes by Friday. All right. So again, it's not that I'm just trying to pimp my website here, but it's <laughs> fun. Yeah. You can go there and get it and just send it out if you want. Download this PDF. Send I'll, it out I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes if people can make sure they get it. But go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Send them there to, to get it. And if they want to watch the um, the Crave audio summary uh, or get the SoundView book summary, the code is 10 minutes written out. One zero minutes. But anyway, so you asked about the five steps. Yeah. This is five steps to making any positive habit stick in your life. And you got to do all five or there's truly predictable consequences from skipping a step. Got it. The first step is you've got to change your mind. Like when we're making a habit, that's something that becomes second nature. We have to, we have to shift our thinking. You know, we, you got to change our mind. We got to, we got to care enough to want to change the way that we're thinking, speaking, or acting. You got to believe you can, should, and will change the way that you act. Right. So that's the first thing is you've got to change your mind. You've got to say, look, man, it could be something as simple as this. Recognition is a management skill that I should learn. That's a mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Second step is to create the routines and behaviors. This is this is the nuts and bolts of your habit. I mean, the word habit really implies a repeated action. Yep. So what are the repeated actions that you're going to take to support your ability to achieve your goal? So for instance, the number one routine that you got to put in place is to schedule it. Put 10 minutes every Friday morning on your calendar. Did I see a company's success that I could share? That's it. Simple as that. Then number three, you've got to demonstrate willpower because obstacles are going to present themselves and willpower is going to be needed to in order to control your attention, your emotions, your desires. So you have to think about what obstacles are going to challenge your willpower. And then what actions do you need to take to overcome the obstacles? The beauty of this particular habit, 10 minutes by Friday with the recognizing and sharing successes, is the same obstacle comes up over and over and over <laughs> again. And it's so irrational uh. and so easy to fix. The obstacle is I don't have time. Yeah, exactly. When such bullshit, of course you have time. You and I will figure out a way to waste 10 minutes by the time we're done with breakfast tomorrow, three different ways. Yep. So you, it's absolutely not a time issue, but just scheduling it alone overcomes that obstacle if I don't have time because everybody's got it. Yeah, you make everybody's the time. Got time. Yeah. Just tag it on. To, everybody's got some sort of weekly thing they do. They put in their time report. They do an expense report, whatever. Just add in 10 minutes to did, just think, did I see our values in action or some sort of a recognized moment that I could recognize online, write a personal note, send an email, and just follow my three steps for how to do a strategic and genuine recognition. Mm -hmm. So we've got change your, you got to have the right mindset. You got to have the right routine and behavior. You got to get over the obstacles. The fourth of the five steps is focus on the benefits. You got to look for small wins over time to reinforce why you should keep doing this. Otherwise, you'll always come up with excuses on why you shouldn't do your habit. So you got to pay attention to both personal benefits and business benefits. So on the personal 
personal side, you just feel like a better leader who's fueling the work environment with what people crave. On the business side, it's those benefits should be around the quality improvements or the increased customer loyalty scores or the employee turnover decreases, like the business actual monetized benefits. Yeah. And then then the fifth step, Bruce, and the most important, and the one that everybody wants to skip, and if they do, I, as I said earlier, predictable consequences. Yeah. You've got to track your effort daily. And what I mean by that is download a habit tracking app on your phone. Every smartphone, whether it's Android or Apple Store, the App Store has tons of these, these apps. Just download any habit tracking app. They're mostly free, mm-hmm. and they, but they allow you to type in a habit into your phone that you want to track. How many days a week do you want to track it? I would do it every Every workday, and then have it pop up and ask you the question: Did I try to spot a success and share it? That's it. If that pops up each day, say you work Monday through Friday, have it pop up at five o'clock every day. Bam! Before I leave the office, did I try? Yes or no? If you do this tracking exercise, I guarantee my listeners and my readers that they'll get better if they've got the mindset and routines in their in their do this two to three seconds a day. That's all it takes. Two to three seconds. Did I try? Yes or no? Not did I do it? Mm-hmm. Did, did I, I try? Because if they try, if they actually think about whether they tried, they're rewiring their brain just the act of doing the tracking. Yeah. Guarantee people they'll get better. I like those- it steps can help you change any behavior in your life. I like it. So I'm, I'm curious. I, so this is something I used to do back in my company when I was managing uh, my team. I, every week I had um, uh, a sheet and I had every all the team members' names and it had three columns. It had uh, sort of date and time situation. It had the observable behavior that I saw and the positive impact it made. And I kind of gamified this process where I started out the week with a blank sheet and by the end of the week I had to I had to capture you know something for everyone. So like I'm, every day I kind of looked at it and, and figured, okay, well, I gotta, I, I'm missing for these three people. And so it got me focused on, it was a game. It was like, how can I capture them doing something right so I can put it in the sheet so at the end of the week I had it filled out and then I would you know, message them or I'd sit down with them and put it as part of my weekly. But it was a great way to kind of turn this into a game and get you tuned to looking for it. Because I think that's part of the issue is you're you're wired naturally to sort of see problems, not successes. And I think that if you can retune your mind a little bit or retune your perception, your observation to be thinking about what are the positive things I'm seeing? Can I capture them being specific date, time? What did they actually do? Why it was beneficial? And then have that conversation. I I found it was a really great way of uh, approaching it. No, there's no question about it. I've used these five step step process to put a dozen and a half different behaviors or habits, if you will, to work in my life. And in my opinion, it's it's been the number one driver of my ability to to attract the right talent to my team that helped us build and sell the last company, Brand Integrity. It's been what the, was the driving force between all three of the books. You know, it's what's helped me to do what I do from the stage has been, and, and most importantly, Bruce, it's the process that's helped me to become the father and husband that yeah, I've always been uh, to be. Exactly. Right? The this, this, that I have with my wife and kids based on little things that I do that I use this very habit building process to make sure that I was consistently connecting with them. Yeah, yeah so important. And th- this stuff does bleed over into all parts of your life. So that's good. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit more. You mentioned this, um, uh, the multi-generational kind of focus that you're finding now in the workplace and how that's kind of driving these issues and this whole kind of engagement and recognition and stuff. Tell me more about that. And then tell me about what you're doing with uh, the Leaderman on Leadership. You were mentioning uh, some of the programs you're putting together, your focus for 2020. Tell us what's in store for next year. Yeah. So uh, my speech uh, called Generational Agility is going to most definitely be my next book. And that's uh, it's a term that I coined with the idea that 
generational agility is something, a series of skill sets that leaders need to have in order to be able to communicate effectively within and across the generation. So whether you're a boomer, Generation X, millennials, and I tell you, Generation Z coming in, Mm -hmm. 72 million of them, they're going to be the most fascinating and energetic generation we've ever seen. But to lead, no matter which cohort you're in, to lead, you've got to have certain skill sets around getting the right knowledge. So you got to be curious and be good listeners and, and, and able to mentor and be mentored. A skill set around recognition, which we've been talking about, being strategic, following the three steps of, of that I shared with you on tell the action, link it to a focus area, and, and, uh, and, and, and connecting it to a result. So that's got to be a, a skill set. And then, and then communicating, the skills of communicating in optimal ways, using the right channels, the right influence, doing it in a way that's inspiring performance as opposed to demanding compliance. That's what generational agility is all about. I'm finding that it is the number one hottest topic from my audiences and companies that call me about wanting to to implement what I call the living the brand system inside their organizations. They're all struggling with, holy cow, we got generational divide happening or about in our organization. Yeah. Yeah. And I see it even uh, not only within the organization, but between organizations. Like we get, I work with a couple different companies who you know, have, have a, a high weighting on one, one generation and they serve or they, you know, generally work with, you know, clients and customers that are of another generation. And, and that becomes a problem too. It's like, if you don't really understand the, the differences and the drivers of this other generation going both ways, it, it can lead to a lot of miscommunication and a lot of friction. So I think this whole generational, you know, intergenerational generational communication is is going to be a huge topic going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the ways I'm going to get great content out to people is I'm committing. I've been thinking about doing this for years and I'm finally committing to starting in January, every other week, I'm going to send out to uh, the people in my, that are in my network, a snackable bite, a snackable bite of an insight or a technique or an idea that helps you become a better leader and human, both at work or at home. And when I say a snackable bite, mm-hmm. the I mean, some a video that's probably anywhere from one to three minutes long. The community is called Leaderman on Leadership. And it's, uh, again, it's going to launch in, uh, I'm going to do my first, my first vlog is most likely going to be in, in later on in December, but I'm really kickstarting this thing in January. And again, twice a month for those that subscribe, you can go right to gregleaderman.com and subscribe for it. And hopefully those are going to be educational, insightful, humorous at times, a little edgy, I would imagine, depending on my mood, um, but depending, <laughs> like depending on, the to- on the topic. But there are just so many things that I've learned from my clients and from my teammates at you know at Brand Integrity and then Reward Gateway who acquired us. Um, so much that I've learned over the years. And I one thing I've always been good at is taking copious notes. So I've got I've got some great ideas to share, and I'm looking forward to getting them out there. That's great. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, so I, I would highly recommend anyone listen to the podcast. Go check those out. Sign up for that. You know, if you're a leader in a service based business, you know, all these things become so much more important because you know all, all of your value is is being being delivered through your people. And if you don't have that piece figured out, if you don't have the people system, if you don't have the engagement there, it's going to make it really difficult to grow and scale the business. So great insight. Greg, again, the best way to get that information, give us the URL one more time. It's gregleaderman.com, G-R-E-G-G. L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. It's right on the homepage. Uh, you can right, you scroll right down. You can see the uh, all you need is an email and a name to uh, to become a member of the community. Perfect. I will, I will make sure the URL is in the show notes so people can click through. Greg, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really enjoy it and I appreciate it. Hey, Bruce, this was fun to do. And anytime you want to connect again in the future, just let me know. This was a ball. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. 
To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.